Hello and welcome to the uplevelmind.com podcast. My name is Drasco and I'm your host for this Real Talk segment where each episode I bring on a heart-centered entrepreneur and live on the call coached him through one central question. Are my business problems actually me problems? In that, I help them uncover why despite knowing all of the business strategies and having done all of the business courses, they are unable to get past their current revenue plateau. Each guest leaves with a deeper understanding of what inner narratives and patterns they need to overcome to realize their next revenue milestone. Without further ado, here's today's guest. So today's guest is Jackson. I'm going to pronounce your name wrong. Callum. <laughs> Callum. Callum. That, that's what it was. Callum. You got it. Okay. There we go. I, I know. So I always have to get one wrong. So that's okay. But yeah, today's guest, Jackson uh, Callum, who is the founder of First Class Business. And basically what he does is he helps entrepreneurs avoid collapse and become a powerful force in their market, uh, basically ensuring that your business can avoid that dreaded 96% failure rates. Jackson, thank you very much for being on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you having me, Jasko. I appreciate you being here. I can't pronounce your last name either, so it's fair. <laughs> oh, that's okay. For me, it happens all the time. Like To be fair, you're <laughs> a lot uh, <laughs> familiar, but it happens all the time. So that's why I'm, I, I always try, but like inevitably I will screw somebody's up. So <laughs> you, you get that honor today. Um, yeah, so I, I'd love to just uh, get a little bit of context on you know what you do, because even before we started the recording, you mentioned you were involved in a bunch of different companies and things like that. So I'd love for you to just give us the context on who you are, how you got to doing what you're doing, like floor is yours for that. Sure. Appreciate that, man. Um, so yeah, I, I help business owners with sustainable revenue growth. Um, and if you haven't been in business for five years or more, you probably find that boring. Um, if you've been there for five years, you know that that's, that's the key um, is figuring out how do I make revenues that, you know, sustain and where I can provide for my family long-term. So um, it started as um, I started in the startup industry um, and I was 20 in 2010, I was 21 years old, um, started working for a company in a warehouse. They were building websites, um, and trying to attract newspapers to sell their websites to the, their, their advertising, um, clients. And, uh, anyway, we, we ended up raising money with Paul Bukite, the inventor of Gmail, Matt Cutts, the search director of Google through Y Combinator. We raised $10 million. And, um, then I went on to co-found a company. Um, we were a SaaS company. And I learned everything about, not everything, learned a lot about SaaS, um, learned a lot about building companies the wrong way. It took us three years. We got to 36,000 recurring monthly revenues, um, helping restaurants with their reservations. And uh, then I went to work with Video Power Marketing to gain a little bit more balance in my life. Um, we were working night and day, um, trying to push that project forward. It was great, but my family deserved more time. So uh, some of you can relate you know, to the grind process and what it means and, you know, how, uh, how you got to really put a lot of work in to, to make things happen. Well, this is where things shifted. I, I moved to video power, video power had two interns and Jake was already profitable. Um, and he was known as the YouTube ad expert of the world. They had 70,000 people per month coming to their website. They had to take the phone number off because demand was so high. They were working with companies like Nordic track, yahoo.com, Vivint, John Lee Dumas of entrepreneur on fire, they had amazing clients um, and they had almost no traditional business skill. Um, so I was like, what? Uh, we're like, here, I've done it the hard way. Uh, here, they're doing it the kind of the easy way. 
Um, and it gave me a humbling opportunity to realize that, um, okay, you can combine the worlds of, of viral growth with traditional business and scale it properly. And so anyway, long story, long first-class business came about through that experience of helping businesses in different capacities and realizing that if you serve people well and you learn the trade of, of advertising and irresistible offers, then you know, you could, there's actually a formula and a bridge that exists to help people grow. So that's what we help people do. Love it. It's like a story that like, you know, mixes a little bit of shark tank, a little bit of like in the trenches, yes. like starting from the bottom, like building it up. You know what I mean? It's just like a little bit of everything. So I, uh, yeah. I, I love that. Cause it's uh, like, it's a unique story. It's one that a lot of entrepreneurs uh, strive to. And I, I love the fact that like you have such a breadth of different types of experience, but then there's like a thread that connects them all together. So yeah. I'd love for you to then just dive into like, what is it that, like you have this vast experience. So what is it that you're finding challenging within your business right now? Oh, um, I think the, the constant challenge of like always remembering to enjoy the journey is it's one that we all face, um, right? You know, you want to, you want to have chiseled abs and you want it today, but you don't. You know, and you've got to go through the process to make that happen. Um, I want my company to um, succeed and, and serve and help billions of people. Um, but in today's environment, like we're not there yet, right? So the challenge of the naysayers, you know, that, that want to bring you down about that or those that want to support or the challenges of um, like trying to retain clients and provide for them. There, there's just so much um, that you, so much plate spinning, if you will, rather than juggling. Um, I love the plate spinning analogy more. Um you've got to be the leader who's capable of doing it. You've got to be a, a wise steward with your funding. You know, you've got to be available, um, you know, for your, your team members and help them, uh, you know, become even better providers while appreciating who they are today. Right. And that, again, that goes back to how do you make sure that you stay centered as a leader to enjoy the journey, appreciate where you're at, be self-aware enough of your problems. And that's what really attracted me to this podcast. So I was like, Oh, cool. Jurassic talking to people about real like vulnerabilities and, and what's there. And I've been working on that pretty heavily for the last several years is like, okay, if I'm really going to hit what I want to hit as a goal, I need to be a better leader myself. And I got to be able to be, be willing to look at the dark corners, um, you know, of where I'm struggling with that in order to, to make that happen. So what better way to figure that out than to put myself on the spot publicly? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're diving right into the deep end and, uh, yep. and going there. So kudos to you. And I mean, I always say before every recording, like I'm, I'm always appreciative people say yes to do this because it's, it's not for everybody, especially in a seasoned position, like you have yourself to be willing to show up in a public manner and be like, Hey, like this is the real stuff behind the scenes. It's not, you know, yeah. IG life where everything's all polished. So <laughs> I, I commend you for that. And, and I, uh, I appreciate you for it. So there's a lot of stuff that you brought up there. Um, clearly, this is not your first foray into self-awareness, which is, I think, also why you're here. So I think that the one that stood out for me, so th there was a lot of different ones. I think that the central question for you is like, how do I stay centered as a leader? And then stemming from that was things like the the plate spinning, making sure I appreciate the the journey and that I'm actually looking at what's happening right now and having gratitude for it. And then from there, like that leadership bit leaks into, okay, the responsibility of having my team, having them grow, expanding that, being somebody they can look up to. So before I go on, like, does that resonate with you as accurate? 100%. Okay, perfect. 
So out of all of those things that I mentioned, which one resonates to you as, let's just say, the most relevant in this moment? Oh, man. Um, that's funny. You you siphoned that perfectly to this moment. Um, so take, for example, right now, um, every, every two weeks during the summer, I am a single father of three. Um, so my kiddos live with me for two weeks on and then two weeks off. So my challenges completely change um, during the, the every other two week period. Um, so right now, the, the opportunity and challenge at hand is, okay, how do, I, how do I show my kids how valuable they are and how important they are while also showing them the importance and value of work and make sure that their lives are taken care of. They, they get what they need done during the day to feel productive and to feel balanced, and to feel loved while also running my company. Um, you know, that's, that's the biggest fine line that I, I navigate during this season. Got it. So basically every two weeks I have a complete change of my schedule. Like suddenly my role shifts from, you know, the stuff I need to do for my company to, I am now a dad taking care of two kids. And then how do I balance? Sorry, three kids. My bad. My bad. <laughs> You're good. Um, so how do I balance showing my kids that they're valuable, that they matter, that they're significant, that they're not just here to pass time while also teaching them how do I like value work and that there's value to be the role model for them there. And then also balance that with actually getting some work done during that one week. So would that be accurate for you? Yes. And to be fair to my fourth child, um, who's part of that equation, I have help right? I have a wife um, who helps me on the fourth. So um, I don't want anybody to feel left out and be like, why is he counting his kids wrong? Um, <laughs> no, it's just, I get to play a single dad of three um, in addition to running my, my normal full-time household. So yeah, man, it's, that's the challenge. Yeah. That's, that's, it's a definite challenge. Um, <laughs> so what I would then ask you to dive a dip deep, a <laughs> bit deeper into this is internally, like, what is the dialogue that happens internally for you when you are presented with this challenge? Hmm. Um, you know, there's always that, I think the imposter syndrome, right, is a big piece, right? There's that challenge of like, am I good enough? Am I doing the right things? Um, you, have to, you have to learn to quiet that on a regular basis, um, you know, and, and really just understand that you can only do so much, right? Your, your best effort is what you need. Fortunately, I'm... Um, like I've, I've never, and this isn't to, to judge anybody out there, but I've never drank alcohol, never wanted to. My, I come from a family of a ton of alcoholics um, and I never wanted to touch it because of that. So um, I think that that gives me an edge where I don't, I don't, I'm not susceptible to the heightened um, emotions that come with, with becoming intoxicated. Um, and so that allows me to, to see this, challenge with a little bit more level-headedness. Um, you know, that means that I also though need to be very careful to remain grateful, um, right? Whatever is accomplished during the day. Um, it can be really easy at the end of the day. Yesterday, I was so scattered. There was so much going on. There was so much that needed to be done. Before I could unplug, um, I finally took some time to redo my to-do list, um, you know, and just crossing off pages, pulling it. If I hadn't taken the time to, done, to do that, when I left the office to see my kids, my brain would have been all over the place. My emotions, therefore, would have been out of whack. Um, you know, I would have felt extremely stressed and high anxiety, and that would have that would have affected the rest of our night. So, 
getting, taking the time to do that and center myself. Um, sometimes I don't do that. And you know what happens? I end up being stressed as a dad. I end up with uh, certain like little things will happen. Hey, you guys stop fighting like that. You know, I realize like I'm joining the fight, you know, by bringing that mental baggage and that stress into the equation. I'm like, oh, I just told them not to do what I'm literally doing to try to fix this. Um, and again, whether you're a single parent or a parent or you got a puppy, you know, or whatever else, you know, family, a mom that you take care of, there's lots of people. We're always trying to take care of somebody in our life and belong. So um, it's important to be in a state of mind to where we show up the right way uh, for all relationships. And sometimes it's hard as an entrepreneur to shut those valves off. Absolutely. It's like those conflicting roles that I have to both keep in my head and outwardly express in a safe, effective, like productive manner. Right. So yes. there's a bunch of questions I'm going to ask uh, to follow up, but just with that piece, because there was a lot of stuff around, okay, like how do I show up for my kids? Um, if I'm taking the stress from work and I highlight that to my kids, like, am I being hypocritical in some ways? So would it be accurate for you? Does it, does it resonate for you to say that there is a level of guilt there when that does happen or that doesn't resonate? No, of course. Um, of, of course there is. And, uh, I, I don't mean to like proceed the coaching, um, you know, opportunity Jessica with it. Cause I, I can always use more, but one of the biggest components to that is just, I mean, being in tune with the idea of forgiveness. Um, right. So I'm an extremely forgiving individual and I've had to learn over the years to how do I do that for myself? Right. How, how can you feel a sense of guilt? Like, man, I did that wrong, but how do I instantly, you know, forgive myself so that I can restore, um, you know, that, that relationship quickly and move on from it. Some people aren't used to that. Um, you know, some people don't even like that. They think you should take time, you know, to figure things out. And sometimes that's necessary, but, um, that's, uh, so I would say the guilt is short lived because I quickly remind myself like, no, like I made a mistake. I'm human. And it's time to move on from that, recover from it, heal from it and keep going. So got it. Okay. So in that case, well, the first one was, I think that's very valuable that you can do that turnaround quite quickly, yeah. like recognizing, okay, I did something bad, therefore I feel guilty, but I don't let that deprive into shame where like now I am bad, I'm adding the judgment to it and I'm adding that extra charge of baggage. So I, I think that's a beautiful thing, um, especially with regards to like, how does you show up to your kids? Because you're, you're modeling the behavior you'd ultimately want them to have Correct. so there's a bunch of other things that you mentioned uh when I initially asked you like when it comes to your kids and this dynamic of i got to balance the business with everything you know what are the inner narratives that pop up right so one of the things you mentioned was imposter syndrome am i good enough am i doing the right thing so can, can you elaborate on like let's just say imposter absolutely like, man where does imposter let's get raw come? with it so um every parent's different too right so I've got an ex-spouse, um, you know, we, I don't, I, she's a great woman, um, you know, and, and she's got her own way of doing things. Right. And so we have different dreams for our kids and that's always the constant battle, right. Is okay. Um, she might not care as much about tablet time or it feels like that from, from my perspective. Right. But then I'm, I'm watching that, that movie gifted hands by Dr. Ben Carson. Um, and I'm a lot more like his mom was where she turned the TV off and she's like, all right, you're both going to read two books per week and you're going to write a report and give it back to me. Uh, you know, and they're like, they hated it. You know, they didn't want to do that. They hated it at first. 
And then over time, you know, they, they developed their skills, they got out of the hood, they got into a position where one's a doctor, one's an engineer, um, or a surgeon rather, an engineer, and, you know, one running for president. Um, and so I don't, I, if my kids don't run for president, that's fine. Um, you know, like, that's not the point. But I want to set them up for the best life possible. So right now, what they're doing is they have stations that they take care of. Um, so they do 30 minutes of reading, 30 minutes of writing, 30 minutes of scripture time, 30 minutes of creative time, 30 minutes of piano, 30 minutes of guitar or science. They get to choose which one on that 30 minutes of playtime. And that keeps me focused on work. It keeps them busy. They come in once in a while and ask for help on something, but they're 10, eight and six. So they, they do a pretty good job of helping each other on that. It also leads to great siblingship. But my point with that is sometimes I'm like, man, am I being too rigid? Is this unfair that they go and they live a very different style of life, um, you know, with their mom, and then they live a very different style of life here? Is that good for them or bad for them? Um, and I was the kid in the same boat. So, you know, I've, I've got my take on it. Um, is it, are they getting enough time with their friends? Um, you know, should we be working on finding friends here? Or should we not? Um, I think every parent that, that cares about their child, um, you know, has certain degree of of questions like that. Do we spend enough time with church stuff, um, you know, and developing faith? Or if I'm constantly putting faith in front of them with the limited time that I have with them, are they going to hate spending time with dad? Um, because dad's always work and no play. Um, if I only play, that was my big, my first year, I tried to be the fun, the cool parent, the one that won them over, right? And then I was like, crap, man, my, my son, is going to grow up and think that dad never works and that dads don't have to work. So I'm just going to actually pause you right there. Okay. And, yeah. and it's not because I don't believe what you're saying is relevant. I think it highlights a, how much you care about the impact that you have on your kids and like how much, how important that is. And rightfully so, like it's, it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. The reason that I wanted to interrupt is like the original question was, like, where does, like you mentioned imposter syndrome. So where does imposter syndrome fit into what you described and where your brain went to was mm -hmm. really like making this beautiful highlight of like all of the checklist things that you think about from the second person perspective of your kids. That all may or may not be true in that perception. And like, you know what, like we're never going to know until we like talk to them. So really, I want to shift the focus back onto the one person you do have control of, which is yourself and really turn the mirror around. Yeah. Like, OK, well, what does this mean about me? Which part of me goes into imposter syndrome about all of the caring that I'm actually demonstrating and everything that I'm sharing right now? Interesting. Teach me. I need to understand this better. Perfect. So my question to you is like you, I guess it's a two-part question, right? Number one, let's stick with this. Like, why do you think your brain went to the second person of, well, this is what I do for my kids instead of looking at, well, what does that mean about me? I don't, I don't know. Um, maybe that's, that's where an, an area of self-awareness that I'm, I'm unsure of. Like, I don't know how to answer that, to be honest with you. Okay, perfect. If nothing is coming up in terms of like, I have an answer, how do you feel right now in this moment when I ask you that question? Super intrigued, like excited. Okay. And where do you feel that excitement in your body? Uh, mostly like here, 
So okay. somewhat in my brain, my I can feel it behind my eyes. <laughs> this is funny because I don't know. <laughs> this is new yeah. to me. That's okay. So the part in your brain and behind your eyes, does that feel like excitement or does it feel like I can't really see what's there? It feels like a bright light, to be honest with you. Feels like a bright light. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And what feels more relevant, the bright light that's in your head or the excitement in your chest? What feels more relevant is the bright light, but what feels more, more powerful is what's going on down here. Okay, perfect. So two very kind of poignant aspects showing yeah. up at the same time. So which feels more relevant to explore in this moment right now? Both. And oh. you, you're talking to a guy who loves to learn. So yeah, yeah <laughs> so. That, I, I, that part I, I've already, uh, <laughs> I've already established. So all good. So, okay. Let's just start with the, the light in, in uh, the yeah. back of the head or like the back yeah. of the eyes. Okay. Hypothetically speaking, if that part could talk, what might it say? Like, yay. <laughs> I guess it would, it would, yeah, it would be excited. Um, like for what? celebrating. Hmm? For what? Because I feel like you've unlocked something about me that I haven't unlocked about myself. And so it gives me a chance to understand myself better, which will improve my life. Okay. And what might that be? What might what be? What do you think I have unlocked right now? I don't, well, this, the second person aspect, um, you know, or like the ability to address, like you've got something about my speaking pattern that I can't put a finger on myself. And so I'm trying to figure out how to put a finger on it, but I don't know it yet. So. Perfect. That light, does it still have anything else to say? I don't think so. Does it need anything from you? I don't think so. Beautiful. What about the excitement in your chest? So same question. If hypothetically that part of you could talk, what might it say? Um, it's a little more nervous. Um, you know, okay. it's a little bit more. Um, I don't say it's kind of leaning towards fear of the unknown, I would say. Okay. And does it feel secure and safe to lean into that unknown? Absolutely. Beautiful. So if you allow that part to lean into the unknown, what might it explore or find there? Um, I guess uh, I, I guess it's kind of the establishment of, of fears, um, right? Again, I don't know how to be more than general about that. Um, to be honest, I feel, I feel myself circling back to fear of the unknown and fear of success. Um, but, um, fear of failure, if the darker side of what I feel is, is, you know, am I, um, am I truly enough? Um, right. Am I, am I truly being enough to those who need me? Um, but the, I guess the more uplifting side is more just like, go with this. It's a sense of calm too. It's like, Dras goes on to something. Let's follow him. Okay. So there's a sense of safety as far yeah. as like, it's okay to be here. Yeah. But then there is, for lack of a better word, ominous aspect that I think really taps into something deeper because you mentioned, okay, I have this fear of success. I have this fear of success. Like, am I actually enough? Which ironically is exactly what brought us to here. Because you had off the cuff just mentioned imposter syndrome when talking about, you know, how do I take care of my kids? Which imposter syndrome fundamentally is a label we put onto 
the sentiment of, well, am I truly enough? Right. And when we look back, like if you were to rewind this conversation and we go through that checklist of all of the things that I'm doing for my kids, fundamentally, it's asking the question, like, am I doing enough to ensure that they have the best possible upbringing? Right. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but like you mentioned the alcoholism. So I'm sure there's some like family patterns that I don't want to be repeating with them. So like, am I being the best example? Am I taking care of them the best? Am I teaching? Like, am I enough as a parent while also juggling that in the business? So how does all of that land for you? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I've got a very, I've got a lot of life experience and had a lot of life experience early on too. Um, so the ability to tap into therapy resources, you know, the ability to explore what that looks like, how do I utilize my experiences for my good? Um, you know, it's been a, it's been a lifelong journey and it will be, um, you know, a, a continued one. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things that, that could be talked about and, in that regard that could be uplifting, that could be helpful for people out there. Um, you know, but if I were to just focus in on me, um, right now, then, you know, no, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of, uh, healing and exploring to do, um, from a long list of, of life adversities. So absolutely. And again, I, I applaud you for being so open to like, like, literally allow everything to be like ripped apart and like look yeah. inside. Right. So number one, I just want to point out um, what you alluded to as well is like, yeah, this is opening up a big hand of worms that can go in a lot of different directions. So I just want mm -hmm. to acknowledge, like, obviously we can't solve all of these here. Um, of course. And to kind of bring it back to just kind of the lay of the land. Right. So deep down inside there's, like despite all of your success, despite how loving you are to your kids, there is this thread underneath it all. And again, you can correct me if I'm wrong for any of these, sure. but there's this thread of a lot of push and output to ensure that I cover all of the bases so that this aspect of I'm not enough never really gets highlighted or never really comes to pass, right? Because if I work it hard enough and my outside world shows it, then I can prove I'm actually enough. So number one, does that resonate in mm. any way? To be fair, I think that's what most people assume um, about people who've had challenges. But if you, look at, if you look at those, especially those who kind of live in the darkness, um, and I don't mean to put myself above anybody, but I do think it's very important for people in the darkness to recognize this. Um, I, I get a lot of entrepreneurs who come and talk to me and they, they give me their story in a, in a very vulnerable way. And I, I love, and I appreciate that. And one of the, my favorite parts is when I get to kind of tell them a little bit about my story. Um, most people end up seeing like, holy crap, my darkness is nowhere near the darkness that he's gone through. And they then feel empowered and the ability to level up because I don't have any worries about being vulnerable. I look at somebody like LeBron James, I'm a big basketball fan, or Michael Jordan, um, and are any of these people who, Nelson Mandela, um, and if you really dove into their past and what they had to go through and, and experience in order to get to 
the light and the leadership level that they're at, then, you know, you'd, you'd realize like, man, I would have, I don't know if I could have handled all of that. Um, and so I don't mean to say that, you know, mine's any worse than anybody else's. Um, but it's not, a, it's, it's more a matter of what, what topic of conversation is going to push the bill forward, um, right? What, what's going to help drive more success for my world? Because there's a lot of people who, who do, who rely on me because I accept that mantle. That's not because I have to. Um, it's just because I know that that's my call. I know that that's what I love doing. Um, so I, I wouldn't, uh, maybe that didn't answer super well. It's a complex question, but, um, or for me, it's a complex answer, but I'm, I'm happy to, if I'm, if I'm sitting with somebody for six hours, or if I was in a forum where people needed that, I'd explore that darkness to the depths of it without any problem. Um, however, most people that I, most of my role and calling of what I help people do is help them find victories, um, you know, and, and achieve new victories. But most of the time they're not able to do that because they're not counting their own victories. They only stay, they, they're so stuck looking at the negativity and the problems, um, that they Perfect. can't appreciate. So just again, pause yeah. there just again for the sake of time, right? Cause the initial pattern that kind of triggered all of this was my brain defaults to speaking the second person and then like kind of going in a different direction right so original question was all of this work that i'm doing underneath it all there was this sense of doubt there was this sense of fear of failure fear of success am i enough right and i just asked like okay, does that resonate to you or not and again, your brain went to, how is it that I help people, my heroes in the darkness around them, in a very eloquent and beautiful way, like skirting the original question. And whether it resonates or not, or I'm correct or not correct, is secondary. It is like what was present when the question was asked. So nice. I'm just curious what comes up for you when I reflect that back. Um, I don't know. I guess I have a blank blank slate on it it's i want to i want to respect you um kind of where you're going with that and i'm not following it too well so and by all means if you're like this guy's full of shit like by all means you well can, see you i don't feel that way it's it's more of and that's probably what you'll notice i'm not an arguer um you know like and i, I very much try to catch people's paradigms so most most truth is a matter of opinion from a certain paradigm right and so i'm trying to see what you see because it intrigues me um, but I don't, I don't see it. And so I look for like, how can I see it? How can I see through your lens? Got it. Um, well, I think it's a beautiful perspective. And again, goes back to what I said at the beginning, like this is not your first rodeo into self-awareness. Um, what I would reflect back is like, like, I don't know what the blank bit is like fundamentally only you do. Right. right. But the fact that I have, well, I'm not twice. too sure what's like, uh, to be honest, I'm not too sure with what speaking in second person means. Sure. So like, I know a third person is right. So third person would be like, you know, Joe. Yeah. Jackson person like does you. this. Yes. Jackson right. would see it this way. Right. Right. And then it's like second person would be like you or them. It's that like, in this is my kids, right. It's like that second, third, like it, it's just ah. what I'm getting at is like, you're removing. It's like, I'm trying to answer an I question by continuously removing a layer out with something that sounds beautiful, it's well-articulated and it makes an a audience. lot of sense, right? Yeah. 
whether yeah if it's for an audience or for something else but the reason why i pointed out and, and the reason why i was cutting you off is for people that are very smart for people that are very eloquent mm-hmm. their primary strength will usually become their first distortion so as an example like if i'm really smart i will try to outthink my way out of emotions and that never works right because it's this is how i solve problems this is how i get usefulness right. and significance right so in your instance right there was two times in this mm-hmm. conversation especially when it started to go into like you said the darkness your brain defaulted to trying to get out of it in your strength right so i don't know what's behind that and that that would take a lot more exploring it's just more that's what came up that's what yeah. i reflected back and then that that's that's what was present um and i share that with you because i think it's relevant because there is something there and to explore it and to see how it results in your family life how it results in how you show up as a leader how it impacts your your business decisions is going to be quite relevant because if at the core of it is something to do with i'm not good enough then like you said paradigms right like that that is the lens through which you're going to view decisions that's a lens through which you're going to view fulfillment in all of these areas um so that's the reason why i was pointing it out so how does all like that it. land for you well i appreciate it um it's certainly it's certainly worth exploring um you know and and figuring it out um of you know who taylor welch is by chance i've heard of that name so not... he's he got the sales mentor program and traffic and yes. funnels okay. pretty and I know. Yeah. when he taught about guy. yeah when yeah. he taught about the imposter syndrome he talked about how, and I don't, I don't know how much, how true this is, how true he gets, but it, it resonated with me. He talked about how Michael Phelps, when he's trying to beat his own record, um, you know, naturally is going to feel imposter syndrome and and struggle, um, you know, with that that thought of am I good enough? Um, you know, can I do this? So I don't know if that's the same level as that's kind of what I feel about myself with the imposter syndrome. It's like, no, I'm I'm going to continue to tackle scenarios that most people would never even dream of trying to tackle. And so am I going to deal with the imposter syndrome? Yes, I am. But do I have to struggle with that with my, my daily, um, you know, like decisions and no, um, you know, I'm not, I don't think so. Um, you know, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. Um, so that's, that's where I'm kind of like, well, I respect the imposter syndrome and I'm constantly putting myself in a position to, to have to battle it. Um, but I don't know if that would be something that's relevant to my day to day. So I, I think I'll just add a nuance to that. I think what you're describing is like the aspirational aspect of imposter syndrome, which I think is actually very positive. And what I mean by that is like, you know, going back to, I can't remember what his name is, but the guy who like ran the first four minute mile okay. is like, that has never been done before until that guy did it. So did he have imposter syndrome at that time? Like, sure, you can put that label on it, but fundamentally that is different because he needed courage to execute on the competence that he had to then do the thing so that he has like legit confidence, right? That is a different quality than the imposter syndrome that's more fundamental to to who I am. 
So mm-hmm. it's like, if it doesn't feel safe for me to pursue that aspiration, it almost doesn't matter how I try to psych myself up here or how much courage I have to some degree, like you can will your way through that, but there's always going to be that anchor and baggage if it's fundamentally about like who I am. And this is that, that is more the imposter syndrome that I was referring to. Nice. Um, but definitely the aspirational one has a lot of significance as well. That's good so, to know. I, that know I didn't think of, Oh yeah. It makes perfect sense. And I can definitely see how I struggle with both. Fair enough. So yeah, like I said, that's going to be a deeper conversation. Um, and then just for the sake of time, I know we covered a lot of ground, but like, does this feel complete for you? Is there still something left outstanding? There's always something left, Drasco. <laughs> well, I guess, okay, for this container here today. We're good, man. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, okay, so in that case, if you can just summarize in your own words, like, what did you come into this experience with um, thinking, like, was the issue or your expectations? And then what were the big takeaways and aha moments for you? Well, I, I came in very open-ended, um, open-minded. So I, I didn't really have any firm expectations. I know that there's a, there's a ton of, of um, again, diverse adversities in my life that could have come up um, in this conversation, present, past, um, you know, and uh, so I didn't, I didn't know which one you gravitate towards um, or which one my own, my own conversation would lead us towards. Um, but yeah, I would say that it was really cool. Um, it's it really inspiring to see that you have an ability to, to kind of pinpoint things about my personality or the way that I think about things in a way that I wouldn't, that I haven't seen anybody else grasp. Um, so I look forward to having you as long-term friend and catching up with you further and seeing, you know, what we might, what we might do with this from here. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I appreciate you coming on here because again, especially with people that are established i know coming into this like just doing this work in general but coming into this forum is always filled with more trepidation um than not so i want to applaud you for that once again you got Um, a lot of wisdom man you got a lot of wisdom so it's thank you for for those of you watching on youtube this is why the bookcase behind me is strategically placed to (laughs) you know highlight that (laughs) visually but thank you for uh, that, that affirmation um yeah so if you could just close us off and let everybody know um you know Who's the best person to find you? Where can they find you? Floor is yours for that. Awesome, man. Yeah. Entrepreneurs, business coaches, um, you know, those are the, those are my two favorites because you typically don't get into business to, you know, the focus of making a ton of money. You get into business because you want to build a legacy. Um, and you want it, you're a visionary who understands what you want to accomplish. Um, come and work with us. First class business helps visionaries actually build power brands and get the authority that you want to be able to get the type of attraction in the marketplace that you want without snake oil cells and without kind of, um, you know, having half built bridges, we build the complete bridge for your power launch. So we'd love to have you. Well, we'll include all that in the show notes as always. Uh, but Jackson, thank you very much for coming on and, uh, being here with us. It was a pleasure. Absolutely, man. It was my honor. Appreciate you, man. All good. Um, all right. Perfect. And thank you very much for listening and, uh, we'll see you guys on the next one.